It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the show I have as always two fantastic guests for you. First up, I am zooming in to New Zealand to talk to Tim Lightburn at the Invivo Winery. And after the break, it's down to Dingle to talk to Helen Woods-Heaton at the award-winning Castlewood House. But before we hear from our guests this evening, a reminder that you can make contact with me here at The Best Possible Taste by emailing me sharon at sharonnoonan.com or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So many of you may be aware that Graham Norton enjoys a glass of wine and actually has a collaboration with a winery in New Zealand to produce the GN portfolio of wines. Well, last week, the winery got in touch with me here about that collaboration and the latest one with Sarah Jessica Parker. And they also sent me a selection of their wines. So thanks a million for those. And sure, it would have been rude not to thank them in person, the winery, not Graham and SJP. So I spoke to Tim Lightburn on Friday and let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Tim, so lovely to meet you and thanks a million for taking the call because I know with the time difference it's not always easy to synchronise these things so that it's not very, very late at night on one side and very, very early in the morning on the other. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and we're going to talk today about in vivo winery and how it all came about and I'm sure some of the listeners are very familiar with some of the wines that you produce even though they may not necessarily be aware of it. So just take me back 15 years to 2007 and you and your pal were in a pub in London. Yeah that's right so myself and uh, my business partner Rob Cameron so Rob is a winemaker by trade that's what he studied um left New Zealand at different times but we caught up in London uh, where he was making wine across Europe and we were at a pub and we were just talking about um, returning back to New Zealand and he wanted to go back as well Um, so over one probably one too many beers we started talking about launching our own winery so my background was sort of marketing and sales and as Rob was kind of in the whole production winemaking side of things so we thought we would combine our talents to produce our own wine. Um, I had little to no experience in the industry, so I was guided by Rob. We uh, put all our savings together to to start this business up. So, um, and then we launched in two thousand and eight. Uh, we probably couldn't have picked, you know, well, there's tough times at the moment, obviously, but back then as well, there was the GFC, huge harvest of New Zealand wine. So uh, it was a tough time to launch. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, we don't look back now, but certainly. We've done the hard yards. And Camille, you don't look old enough to have been of legal drinking age 17 years ago. I know the listeners can't see you, but we're on Zoom, so I can see you. So you must have been very young, and I'm not going to ask you your age, I'd never do that, but you must have been extremely young to take on such an enterprise, and it was very entrepreneurial of you both. That's the kind words, but um, <laughs> no, we're in our late 20s then, so I'm over 40 now. Um, so yeah, look, it was... A big risk. Um, 
we had been working for other companies, we really wanted to start our own thing up. Um, we had we approached four banks, and not one of them would even give us an overdraft to start this business. So um, it was really, really tough. But look, Rob would make the wine. We actually brought grapes from a grower, essentially a farmer that sold us his grapes, and um, we used another person's winery to make our wine. So we literally went in there, spent a bit of time making our wine, and then I would go out and sell it to any alcohol store in New Zealand that would buy six bottles and we would I'd have to go and stand in that shop in the weekend and then taste it to customers to get another order so it was literally you know anyone starting up their own business it was that, that those sort of hard yards just to get things moving. And then in terms of a, a winery versus a vineyard there's a bit of a difference because whenever I look at the range of the wines that you very kindly sent me some of them are um, New Zealand, some of them are Argentina, and some of them are France. So just explain what the difference is between having a, a vineyard and a winery. So, yeah, so we have two wineries in New Zealand. So winery is essentially uh, the place where you make the wine. So it's where the tanks are, where the barrels are. Uh, we have a bottling line at our winery. So that's kind of like the home, the, the physical base. And when we talk about a vineyard, that's where the, the vines are growing. So... We have vineyards around Marlborough in New Zealand. We partner with growers in Argentina, Italy and France uh, that have their own vineyards that we take their grapes to make our international wines as well. So think of the, uh, think of the winery as like the home, the place where all the magic happens, where we make the wines um, and the wines sit in tanks and age and all the winemaking process, um, whereas the vineyard itself is where the grapes are growing. Yeah, because I think people will find that very interesting that it's not a case of you just grow the grapes and then you create the wine, that you're having all these collaborations with different growers all around the world. So how do you tap in with them and, and decide, okay, yeah, you've got the sort of grapes that we want to feature in our wines? Yeah, it, it's, an, it's, it's a unique process, I think, to us. So it's a little bit different in that, you know, with the collaboration so that and we'll talk probably about Graham a bit later how that all happened. But with Graham, we actually get to tell him we we work with him and say like you know obviously he liked Savion Blanc first our first wine we started with him, but we see trends and what consumers or customers like. And so you know the Argentinian Malbec we talked to Graham about you know do you drink Malbec? Yes, yes I love Malbec. Well why don't we add one to the range? What style of Malbec do you like? So we taste some samples and we'll come up with a style that he likes. And then we'll go find a grower that kind of grows in that style. So we're not sort of, we're not getting a vineyard or a grower and then forcing it on our customer or forcing it on ground. We're actually kind of working with him to find a style that he likes that then we'll go source the right vineyard for that style. That makes sense. And and you, you've mentioned Graham there and you're talking about Graham Norton, who'd be very well known in Ireland being a, an Irish celebrity, but with a huge international profile now. And one of the wines that I'm looking at now is the Graham Norton, the GM Sauvignon Blanc, that I'm sure lots of people are familiar with now because it has been on the market for a number of years. So how did that collaboration come about? How did that all start? So um, I, I found out that Graham loved New Zealand Savion Blanc um, back in 2011. So um, I actually rang up his show and spoke from New here in New Zealand and managed to get through to someone in their production team and said, like, where are you getting your wine for Graham from? And 
they mentioned they were just buying it from the local liquor store. So I said, you know, we, we're a New Zealand Savion Blanc producer. Can I send, you know, six bottles to Graham to see what he thinks? Um, which I did. And then they came back and said, Graham really loved your wine. So we kind of struck an arrangement where we would supply Graham and his guests on the show our wine, our Savion Blanc, um, for every show. And we still do it today from, you know, 10, 11 years ago. Um, and then so in terms of actually making the wine with Graham, we were supplying wine for a few years and we were going to his show when we were up in the UK and, you know, having a bit of a chat backstage in the green room to him. And then we just approached him and said, do, do you want to make a wine with us? And he agreed to that, but he wanted to be involved. He didn't just want to put his name on the label. He really wanted to be involved in the whole tasting, blending, labeling, creative process. So, you know, we, we thought of this idea and we still do it today of getting Graham to taste through the samples from that year, from that harvest, because they're always different to sign off on the wines. But he's been brilliant working with. A lot of fun. Uh, we look forward to the days every year that we sit down with them to taste through wines through the whole afternoon. Um, so that's how that whole partnership started. And I think that's a great example of fortune favours the brave. You know, you didn't overthink it. You didn't send a fancy dancy email. You just picked up the phone in that old traditional way and made the call. And I think you were also very lucky that the stars aligned with you. Like from a marketing perspective, this wasn't a marketing plan or a marketing strategy that you had in place it was just you saw an opportunity and you went for it yeah that's right and um you know we were just um really fortunate that graham was really keen to work with us and i guess he saw something in us as well um and you know the first country we launched in and well ireland was one of the first actually in new zealand and ireland and so i had to ring up the, you know, Super Value, Musgrave and all the other retailers, Duns and Tesco and say, look, we're a Kiwi wine company. We've got Graham Norton on board. And, you know, that just, that got us meetings where we couldn't have meetings before. And that opened the doors for us where they wouldn't answer before. <laughs> so, um, and then the wine obviously was, you know, we, we work really hard getting the wine to taste fantastic because it wouldn't work if the wine didn't, um, you know, work as well. And and before we get on to your latest celebrity partnership, I have to ask you, you said there about being at the show. Have you ever been in the big red chair? No, I don't think I've got it. Like my stories probably aren't good enough, to be fair. But there are a lot of New Zealanders that go on it. And I think Graham and the team there love the accent. Um, you know, we love the Irish accent down here, but I think, you know, the New Zealand one goes well. But no, I haven't, uh, thankfully. <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to keep an eye out for you on that in the future. So the, the latest partnership is with Sarah Jessica Parker, which will be of interest to lots of maybe the female listeners in particular, given that the latest version of Sex in the City is, is showing at the moment in Ireland. How did that collaboration come about then? Because, you know, Graham Norden's very well known here in Ireland and the UK, but I don't think he would have the same level of international profile that somebody like Sarah Jessica Parker would have. Yeah, look, we, um, a few years ago, Rob and I thought, you know, we, uh, we would love to launch in the States. Um, and, we, you know, we, the, the, the partnership with Graham was so, worked so well that could we replicate this with uh, a talent in the US? So we um, kind of identified Sarah Jessica as being, you know, someone that we'd love to work with. She's, you know, 
savvy businesswoman. She's iconic for leading trends uh, and all, all sorts of good stuff. So uh, we reached out to her agent. So we didn't know her, obviously. Um, and I made a presentation to him about us uh, and kind of got us through the first door of many doors. <laughs> and uh, then, uh, you know, after many conversations, um, I, my phone rang one day and it was Sarah Jessica Parker on the phone in that very famous voice. And um, so I quickly put it on speakerphone and I had Rob there with me and we talked about what we wanted to do with her in terms of the wine partnership and being involved similar to Graham in terms of that whole blending process. Um, we just didn't want her to put her name on the label. We wanted her to be part of this company as well. So um, she really loved that and she um, thought working with us would be a lot of fun. And so we then jumped on a plane and flew to New York and met her in person. The two of us sat down with a bottle of wine with her and just kind of almost brainstormed the whole idea with her. And that's kind of how it led to launching, launching the range with her. Yeah, I, I just think there's such amazing stories because I think a lot of people maybe going into the, the local supermarket to pick up these bottles would just think these are a bit of a marketing gimmick, that your man's name is on it and he maybe gets a few bob for having his name on it. And for anybody that might be in, in doubt about your story with Sarah Jessica Parker, you have a fantastic video on your website of the tasting that you did with her to combine the wines. Just tell listeners about that. Yeah, look, part of the whole process in the, what well, we like, the authenticity. So this is not just someone, you know, as you said, putting their name on the label or just grabbing some wine and, and putting this together. We sit down with both Graham and Sarah Jessica and film the tasting process. So, I mean, with her, She'd never done a, what's called a blending process. So we're tasting across different samples and actually putting them all together to make a final wine. She'd never done one before, obviously. So we talked her through that process only in, you know, in about five minutes. And then within minutes of her tasting, she was picking up what very subtle acidity levels in the wine. And just we were just quite blown away, actually, by her um, critiquing the wines. And we had some pretty constructive not arguments, but conversations about different samples with her. They're not, sho they're not shown in the video on the website. <laughs> well, well, we've got a few of them because it's all good stuff. Like, you know, Rob, as a winemaker, had a favourite sample, so one of your least, so we're sort of going. But that's what we love. Like, that is the authenticity. Our, you know, Graham has a different style to her in terms of his wines, to our own wine as well. So, I mean, that, and we love that whole process. So... Yeah, making that video to show people her tasting was really key for us. And she has a rosé wine that um, has French grapes in it. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we we just noticed, you know, the whole rosé category. And I know in Ireland I've seen, you know, the, the and just in the last few years, rosé just really flying out the door. So we, we, we again, similar to what we do with Graham, approached her and said, do you like drinking rosé, which she does, especially when, um, you know, when she goes on holiday and things. So we, Rob had worked in the south of France in Provence, so we approached some of the growers we knew about a project working with Sarah Jessica Parker, and they jumped on board. So we launched that wine two years ago, um, and, yeah, we're seeing some really nice success with that. Um, it's a really soft, it's got a lovely colour, not too sweet style of rosé. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's around Ireland now as well and selling pretty well. 
And of course, FJP, as people in the, the industry like to call her, has links with Ireland because herself and her husband, Matthew Broderick, have a holiday home up in Donegal. And I think it's been in his family for like 40 years or something like that. So she's no stranger to the community up in Donegal. Yeah, she's um, talked to us before about her. She, I mean, she loves her trips to Ireland. It's the first. She actually tried our wine in Ireland before we um, reached out. So she knew about us, which was um, amazing. And she shops locally there, and um, which which is great. But yeah, she's. I think she's got a very strong, you know, very fond of Ireland. And then hopefully, I'm sure she'll be out there again very soon. You'll have to sign her up to do the in-store tastings for you. Be fantastic actually getting it in school. It's fantastic. We'll have to have a big start, you know, a huge amount of bottles to hit a sell. So, in terms of other wines that you do under your own name and your own brand, how many wines do you have in your whole portfolio? So, um, we we produce a Sauvignon as well, um, a Pinot Noir, we do a rose and a Pinot Gris and a bit of Chardonnay. So, um, you know, uh, there's probably a bit. Another six different wines under our own brand, um, and we have some fun with those labels, like that. We don't at Invivo, we don't try and take ourselves too seriously. So on this, on one of our labels, it says, you know, made from thyme grapes and two maxed out credit cards. Yeah. <laughs> when when you look at the ingredients, and you know, uh, one of the other labels is made um, with the help of one cranky banker. You know, our bank is <laughs> not happy, so. Um, yeah, we have a, we have a lot of fun, but the wines themselves really stacked up, and um, they've had some really good accolades, gold medals, and ninety plus ratings over the years. So, as I said, you know, all the marketing wouldn't work if the wines weren't good as well. And you must have seen a lot of changes in consumer tastes over the year because you mentioned Chardonnay, and there was the whole ABC mantra for a number of years: anything but Chardonnay. And that must have impacted on what wines you 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 made. Yeah, I think um, Chardonnay. Well, I think it's Chardonnay is actually coming back now in that kind of big oaky style we've seen maybe in the last twelve months. It's it sort of making a bit of a comeback, so that's really interesting, and we'll keep an eye on that. Um, uh, for for me, there's been you know a few. Trend, I mean, the, the rosé trend when I was in Ireland, sort of when we first launched two thousand and fifteen. You know, rosé was very small quite sweet style of rosé but now it's just the whole that whole category is just really going crazy um prosecco prosecco doesn't seem to stop in growth i thought it might sort of um plateau at some point but now we have prosecco rosés as well we do one ourselves with graham um and that goes really well so yeah sauvignon blanc um different styles of sauvignon we're actually putting a little bit of oak in our sauvignon i know i don't want to get too technical but you know that adds a bit more weight to sauvignon so um and that's under the sarah jessica parker wine and her different style that she likes so having a bit of fun in the winemaking process um has been good as well and whenever you started out as you said like the world was a different place and we've experienced so many challenges over the past couple of weeks so I, I would imagine that stood to you starting at a very challenging time, that you didn't get an easy ride at the start, that you're always aware that there's challenges out there that, that could pop up at any time. Yeah, we're always aware of that and we run you know, a pretty tight ship. I think if we had started with a whole lot of, someone came along and said, here's a whole lot of money and a whole lot of vineyards. And I, I think 
we wouldn't have the disciplines we have in place today. Um, and I think all those sort of hard yards of, you know, standing in stores and jumping on a plane and reaching out to the Grey Norton show and getting over to Ireland to present to these um, buyers as soon as they would let me in, basically, um, has created um, what we have today, you know, with it, Graham. It's, I think we're over 15 million bottles now sold. Mm. So um, going from, you know, 12,000 bottles in the first year. So um, I think all that, and it goes, you know, not just our business, but anyone starting up, you, you, those early years are so tough, but I think they build the strong foundations for the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And even, you know, you've used things like crowdfunding before maybe crowdfunding was an in-thing. And what is NFT? Because that's something I read about on your website. And I thought, gosh, this is very intriguing, but I'm not sure if I really get it. Yeah, we, we've done a few interesting things and they've been a lot of fun over the years. Firstly, crowdfunding. Um, we had some really good support in New Zealand and lots of... Um, Friends and friends of friends wanted to invest in our company. So, um, and uh, a few years back, we opened up um, a crowdfunding campaign where people could own a small share of our business. Um, it turned out that we raised about 1.5 million euros in a few days wow. from from the New Zealand public. We have over well, we have 635 shareholders that all put a little bit in. Um, so. That crowdfunding campaign was the first winery in New Zealand, I think in the Southern Hemisphere to do it, and it was the largest ever one at the time. So um, that was, so we have, you know, a lot of supporters on board with what we're doing. Uh, and NFT, so that's a non-fungible token. Uh, it's in the whole cryptocurrency type world. Um, and basically it's a digital, so it can be a artwork, a digital artwork, piece of music, um, anything kind of digital that has a unique, code to it so we launched 10 nfts with the graham norton he devil wine so and that was a picture of the wine and it has each picture in that collection has its own unique code which people could buy that digital picture and have their unique code and that gave access to not only owning that digital art but you'd get discounts to our store and all sorts of fun stuff um and they were sold and yeah, we were pretty happy with how it all kind of went for us. It was a, it's a new concept, NFTs, um, but we're launching another collection soon as well. Constantly innovating in all aspects of the business, from marketing to finance, which is is just really amazing. Well done to you. And looking into the future and your vision for the company, what you know, where do you see yourself in ten years' time? Are there any celebrities that you have on your wish list that you'd like to collaborate? within the future? Um, I think, I mean, we've got our hands full right now with different wines with Graham and Zero Jessica Parker. So um, in terms of celebrities, not sure. Um, we'd quite like to keep just building the range with both of those two, um, looking at, you know, looking at different wines and categories. So, you know, lighter alcohol, this sort of stuff is interesting for us. Um, with Graham, we have the gin range, um, which is which is good, and we'll look to other spirits as well. So it's kind of building on what we have. Brilliant, amazing, and you know, if you are looking for a celeb to collaborate with for Prosecco or Vino Verde, I'm your woman. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, and you'll come to you can come to one of our blending sessions. And... My profile is much more modest than SJPs and GMs, to be fair. <laughs> Anytime you want to come to a blending session, we'll, we'll get you in, as long as you don't mind the camera on you and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Tim, listen, it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. Such an interesting, fascinating story, and I'm looking forward to trying all the wines that you very kindly sent to me. So thank you so much for them. And continued success to you and Rob. Thanks for having me on. And, um, you know, the customers of Ireland, the people, I mean, we've had awesome support um, over the years there. So we really appreciate it. Thanks very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, you heard the great chat I had with Tim Lightburn from Invivo Winery in New Zealand. And if you're just tuning in now and you missed that, you might want to catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now, one of my favourite places to stay when I am in Dingle is Castlewood House. It does a brilliant breakfast, it has incredible views of Dingle Harbour, has brilliant hospitality and I could go on and on. Last week it added another award to its burgeoning collection, so I put a call in to Helen Woods Heaton to congratulate her and the team. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Helen, congratulations on your latest award, the Irish Independent Reader Travel Awards. You got Best Breakfast in Ireland. You must be delighted. Absolutely thrilled and very humbled and uh, very, very grateful to everyone who voted for us, to all the judges and uh, to everybody who who came and, and, and stayed with us in the last year. Um, it's And, you know, it's something, it's amazing, it's brilliant amazing brilliant for the team here because it just gives everyone such a boost and this is a very much a team effort Um, this business we're a small team we're really close we're really tight and um, and they're all fantastic they're buddies we enjoy it and we hope they enjoy it too I think they do but um, you know it, it's not just for us it's for everybody and and you know they all work so hard and they're so dedicated and they put their their heart and soul into it every single day which is not easy you know in the middle of the summer when you're in full swing and everyone's a bit tired and a bit bet as the fellow would say but um yeah it's for us all so um yeah we're, we're thrilled and having had the pleasure of staying in Castlewood House for the first time last year I can certainly confirm that you do an absolutely amazing breakfast and you've won a number of awards not only for it but for all the other amazing attributes for the the accommodation that you have there and tell us about some of those other awards that you've got that the one that stands out for me would be the Georgina Campbell award yeah Georgina gave us um she gave us the guest house of the year in 2021 um, and that was really, really special to us because Georgina is an absolute ambassador for Irish food, Irish hospitality. She very much champions small businesses and she is just 
an integral part. She's also the, the president of the, the writers, the Food Writers Guild of Ireland. So she's a very um, admired and very well respected person in, in the hospitality industry. So that was very, that was very um, personally a very nice um, award for us to get. Um, previous to that, we the, two years ago, we got uh, the AA Accommodation of the Year. Again, that was quite, it was a very nice award giving, actually, award giving ceremony, because that was in a, a dare manner. They won the Hotel of the Year that year, it was 2019. So that was just a lovely afternoon, uh, very nice. And um, that was lovely to win as well. And previous to that, we've won various sort of, um, won quite a few. We won a few of the, the Reader Travel Awards. We won uh, Best Irish Welcome. We won Best Irish Breakfast in 2017. Awards from uh, TripAdvisor, Best Hotel in Ireland, 2012. Best Value Accommodation in the World in 2013. And, and just then they sort of changed categories. So they did sort of Best Small Stay, Best small hotel they did sort of best romantic hotel so you're sort of featuring up there but it's as I said it's a team effort it's it's everyone pulling together and um it's very every single one is very very important and very much appreciated by everybody here and the list goes on and on and you're talking there about the award ceremony in Adair Manor but you are no stranger to that five-star hospitality because you are from Ashford Castle. You worked there for a number of years. And I believe yeah. that, is that where you met your other half? It is, yeah. My hobby. Um, God, he was a handsome devil. He's still a handsome devil, but he was a very handsome devil back then. Um, he he and I were both on our work experience from college. It took six months out of college in a hotel. So Helen decided, oh, I'll try this Ashford Castle. And arrived over to Kong. My dad drove me over because back then students didn't have cars. Well, I certainly didn't anyway. And um, drove me over to Kong and you arrive in this place which has three pubs, no shops. Lovely, the most beautiful little village. And you think, oh, good God, what am I going to do here for six months? It was the best six months. <laughs> our social life got a bit in the way of, of work, but work got in, our, in the way of our social life, should I say. But it was fantastic, wonderful, wonderful experience, an amazing hotel um, and just a, a great team just to it really opens your eyes, you know, to that five star experience, five star anticipation, the level of service that's anticipated, expected and delivered. Um, so I went back to Ashford after I finished college, as did Brian, and um, we worked worked there for a couple of but Brian worked there longer than me now I left and I went to the Newmore Hotel in Carrick Macross in County Monaghan which was a four-star hotel and I was there for quite a number of years 10 years there so uh, I was sales and marketing manager and that was one busy hotel very very busy not a cross-border business and we should tell the listeners that you're from more over that side of the country. Yeah, yeah. Castletown Cully, which is near Carlingford. So that's it is. Yeah, yeah. An absolutely beautiful place. Yeah, it's uh, I grew up on a sheep farm. Mum and dad are, my, my mum's an artist. My dad has uh, has the farm, but mum helped him as well. She's the vet, best vet around. Not that she is a vet, but she is a vet. Um. And my brother actually runs the farm now with my dad, who uh, 
in his 80 plus years is still farming away like mad. Bless him. And um, all's good. But my granny owned a, a sweet shop in Carlingford. I don't know how she made any money because uh, they probably ate her own body weight and sweets all the time. But there was sweets, ice cream, fancy goods, as they called it back then, you know, caps for guns and rosary beads, holy water fonts, jewellery, toys, you name it. So we were spoiled rotten. We had a great, great time growing up. A great time. And whenever you went to college then, what college was it you went to? I went to Calbrew Street, to Dublin College of Catering. I always wanted to do it, don't know why. Just had this draw to go into the hotel business and went to college in Calbrew. Left in 91. Um, and quite a lot of people in college, it's funny, over the course of your career, even now you still meet people that you, you would have known back then. Some of them still in the hotel industry, but... It's an industry you either, it's either for you or it's not for you. And if it's not for you, don't stay. And if it's for you, it just gets under your skin and you, you love it. It's and you either love it. Or, yeah, I love it. It's, it's addictive. Um, but we had, yeah, it's a great industry. I, I'd encourage any young person. If you want to travel, if you want to get to meet lots of new people, it's a fabulous industry to get into and teach you life skills and, you know, it's just great for your confidence, for boosting your confidence, etc. It's it's a great industry. And did Brian go there or did he go to Shannon? Oh, he went to Galway, actually. He was in Galway. So that's where he went to college. Yeah. And so how did you end up in Dingle? And there's an interesting story behind the name of Castlewood as well. But tell us how you ended up opening Castlewood together. Well, I suppose Brian is actually from Limerick. So... He moved when, yeah, he's from Limerick. So when I left um, Ashford, I suppose he missed me so much that he, uh, yeah, he decided he'd get a job in Dublin. So he moved to Dublin and he started working in the Grafton Plaza Hotel. And then he got a job at O'Callaghan Hotels as a night manager. And he then progressed on to be deputy manager, sale, or duty manager, deputy manager and then GM eventually of the uh, Davenport Hotel when the O'Callaghan group opened that. So I suppose he was working, we were working, I was working, um, we were living in Dundalk at the time, just 10 miles from my my parents. Um, he was going one direction in the morning, I was going the other. So we thought, well, if we want to stay together, we want to at least be together. Um, some of the time so be careful what you wish for because now we're here 24 7 seven days a week and it's brilliant and I wouldn't change it at and all. why Dingle then because Brian's mum and dad actually god rest them they had built Heaton's back oh it's 25 years ago now they moved completely completely green did not ever work in the hotel industry um, or the hospitality industry moved down to Dingle opened Heaton's and we just thought, you know, if we're going to do it, do it somewhere that's going to be busy. So um, Brian brought me the first day we came to Dingle to, to meet his folks and see the place over the Connor Pass. I'll never forget. I thought, oh, this is lovely. I never want to go on this road again. Um, You're not alone. I think a lot of yeah, people. Oh, but I go that way all the time now. But the first time, I suppose that's a bit kind of. Uh, but um, oh, my God, it's gorgeous up there. But. We arrived here. Oh, this is just a beautiful place. It's stunning. Just fell in love with it. So, yeah, that's how we ended up in Dingle. 
And then the name Castlewood is kind of a nod to your own family and the area that you come from. Yeah, I suppose um, my maiden name is Woods. This area that we're in now is called The Wood in Dingle. And my home um, is Castletown House, which is in Castletown, Cooley and County Laos. So I sort of married them together and came up with Castlewood. And it didn't take too much thought. That came quite naturally to Yeah, you. yeah, it did actually. Yeah, there was only one name in my head, really. So uh, that was it. And all your experience and everything you've learned between college and then working in Ashford Castle in particular, I feel has really stood to you because I know somebody who stayed in Castlewood who was really impressed with so many different aspects of it. But the standout for them was the quality and the size of the tiles and the bed linen, which I think a lot of people may not really think about unless they're somewhere that it's all really bad. Um, but when it's really good, it stands out. Yeah. Um, I suppose when you're when you're when you run your own business and you're here all the time, you become very um, I won't say obsessed, but every the devil's in the detail, you know, um, and everything to us would be I suppose you want a nice place to a nice comfortable place to sleep you want to have a nice breakfast in the morning and you want someone with a nice happy smiley face who's ready to give you all the information you want okay so the bed I suppose is the most important thing so that has to be comfortable so all our mattresses are all from King Coyle they're all made in Ireland um, the linen we buy from Murray's or we buy some from Lissadell. The towels as well, which are, are they're super size bath towels. I mean, literally, you can wrap yourself in them. So that was an, and they're changed every single season. So they do one season and then they go into either my <laughs> my sister's houses or whatever but um the towels yeah one season because we do all our own laundry here so once the pile starts to sort of go down on them they're changed the attention to detail is mind-blowing and you might think that that's just of course why would you not do that but so many places don't do that helen and that's why you're winning all these awards but I think it's when you're here all the time as well yourself, you want to you want to stand over everything. You want everything to be right. Um, and when you when you I suppose when you arrive with us, one or other of us, nearly 99 percent of the time, unless we're out for dinner or shopping or something. But one or other of us will be here. Brian, and I can't wait for the day that it's acceptable again to give people, you know, shake their hand or to give them a big hug because so many people you miss seeing. But I can't wait to do that. So that's coming soon. Um, but, you know, people maybe are here for their first time and you want to make sure they make the very most of their time. So we try and be spend as much time with every person when they come in to check in. We try and spend as much time as we can. You know, do you need any help? Sometimes they might have everything organised. They don't need any help or they know Dingle very well. They don't need any help. But if they don't, you have to be prepared to spend the time with them, um, which is very important. So then you go up to the room and every aspect of it, I suppose, you're constantly scrutinising yourself, whether it's... And you're always thinking... 
how can we make this better? How can we make this better? How can this be a better experience? So you're always thinking about that. So like our bathrobes and, and slippers, um, we have a white room bathroom product, the amenities in the bathrooms. Um, we have our books back in the bedrooms now, they're going back in. Um, just if someone's forgotten their book, that there's a little book for them to read. Just, you know, the little extra things that you'd like yourself if you're in bed. So you're you're always, you never stop. And the day you stop thinking, how can I make this better? It's the day you need to sit back and walk away. And do you get time to travel yourself, to go and experience other places yourself and to use that nearly as research? Yeah, I suppose you do. You're It's like a busman's holiday, really. Um, you're spying on people all the time. But when you go to other places, I suppose you do think, oh, that's a good idea. And that's a very good idea. And I wonder where they got this and I wonder where they got that. But um, yeah, I mean, whenever we can, really, because we have the three kids. So between school and, you know, different commitments that they have, you're sort of like the taxi service some of the time as well. So, yeah, you have to kind of put that in there. And I would imagine whenever you do get away and you do do travelling, like the standard mustn't be up to a par with Castlewood at times and you must be disappointed occasionally. Oh, no, to be honest, I wouldn't. Um, no, I wouldn't. Say, I, I think what we have here in this country is exceptional, really is exceptional. And I'm not just saying that. Our standard is so, so high um the level of skill and the level of pride people have in, in their in their own places it's you know it, it's it is it is fantastic um i mean you go to other places and you don't go with the you know the intent of finding fault but you know you might see things that oh right okay well we might do that but other places you go, wow, that's a really good idea. Maybe we could do something like that. But, you know, that's how we all, but we all help each other in the industry. You're always, you know, trying to help other people along in any way you can. Same when, when you live in a community like Dingle. If we're full, we'll always recommend someone else. And we try and work with as many of the operators. And, you know, that's why we give people, when they arrive, we give them a little map. We put all the restaurants, the pubs where the music is, if they want any activities. We've tried to package as many um, local providers as we can into our packages so that you're you're always offering people something that's maybe bespoke or, you know, you try and make everyone's experience the very best you can and try and include as many members of the community as you can because that makes it a very wholesome experience for the guest. And you mentioned there about you can't wait until you can shake the hand. And oh, I miss it so much. And yeah. give people a hug, because I would yeah. imagine you get a lot of repeat. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, we've one couple that have been coming to us from Tipperary. If they're listening, they'll know who they are. And they come three times a year and they'll stay for three nights. And near, <laughs> they nearly have the same breakfast every single morning. And they've been coming to us for that long. And I miss so much giving them a hug when they're going. And we've another couple, we've quite a few couples that come from the US. That And we've another couple actually that come from the US and they stay for three weeks every year. And you can't give them a hug when they're leaving. I mean, it just, you're, you don't feel you're being yourself. You feel you're not giving of yourself. You feel you're holding back, but you are holding back. 
So I can't wait until it's the right thing to do to do that. So um, yeah, looking forward to that. And have there been any silver linings to COVID for your business, things that you've taken on board and thought, yeah, well, that, that's a good idea and we must keep doing that? Or is it in six months, a year's time, hopefully it'll be a dim and distant memory never to be spoken about again? Yeah, it was challenging, to be honest, yeah. And, and sometimes you felt like you were being the fun police, you know? when you had it was very hard on the restaurants and they, they I even spoke to a colleague in town yesterday she said this trying to put you know get people out the door at eight o'clock that was really really hard she felt like you were being you know you were ruining their evening you you know it was horrible having to do that um it, it was challenging yeah and you did feel like a bit like the covid police but you know, you, you did what you had to do and everything had to be done in a certain way to a certain standard um, and following the guidelines. So, you know, you, you do all that and you get through and people appreciate that you've done it correctly. Um, you've ensured their safety and the staff safety. And, you know, you, ha you have to be mindful of, you have to do it in a mindful way, I suppose, that you don't want to sort of like bombard people with rules and regulations, but you want to reassure people that everything's been done correctly. So um, we got through all that. Thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. And what does the, the future hold for Castlewood now? Where do you see the future for it down the line 10, 20 years? Hopefully we'll still be here rocking along. Um, hopefully I'll still be, uh, Brian and I will still be speaking. I don't know if any of the kids will want to do it. One of our daughters actually loves baking. She loves it. Um, the other two, I don't know now. Time will tell. Time will tell. Um, we'll see. We'll see what they want to do. But I don't know. They see we're here all the time. So I suppose in a way they, they sort of think, oh, hang on, these two are here all the time. I don't know if I want to do that. But um, time will tell. Yeah, onwards and upwards to continue to aspire um, to continue to try and be the very best that you can be. You know, um, that's all we want to do. Continue to make people happy, to give people the very best experience they can get and to enjoy their time in Dingle. You know, well, listen, I look forward to visiting again this year um, hopefully more than once. Thanks a million for talking to me today all about it and continued success. Thank you, Sharon. If anyone would like to follow us or see, we post quite regularly. We post recipes and videos and videos on things to do in Dingle and activities. So our website is www.castlewooddingle.com. We're also on Instagram, Castlewood House Dingle, Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, I was talking to Helen Woods-Heaton at the multi-award winning Castlewood House in Dingle. And earlier on in the programme, Tim Lightburn from Invivo Winery in New Zealand shared the company's story from the pub in London to its growing portfolio of wines, which include collaborations 
with Graham Norton and Sarah Jessica Parker. And if you're just tuning in now and you've missed all of that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And that brings us to the end of the programme tonight. Thanks for listening and to my guests, Tim Lightburn and Helen woods Heaton. I will be back next week. So until then, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.